a Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com. And when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. episode of the Steve Mathis show there is a high chanceability you will either learn something a lot of people don't know be left thinking or make you say to yourself dude that's so funny the bottom line is this podcast serves as archival documentation of this interview welcome to the racer x podcast show brought to you by btosports.com hosted by Steve Mathis Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, in studio edition with, uh, with uh, a, a fine journalist over in uh, that covers the European scene and is here for the Monster Energy Cup, Adam Wheeler. Adam Wheeler, thank you for coming on. Hey, Steve. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You came all the way to the house and everything. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too far, you know, Las Vegas. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Got to visit Shay Mathis. Uh, yeah, and uh, sorry for the dogs. Uh, <laughs> sorry for the goggle mess in front of you. But, uh, you know, hey, whatever. No, it's all good. I'm looking at Raiders of Lost Ark photo on the wall, a movie poster on the wall. Yeah. You know, that's, uh tells me you've got good taste already. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except let's not talk about that fourth one and the aliens <laughs> yeah. and all that. Uh, but, hey, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. I, th- I thought it would be really cool to get. You know, everybody has a story, and uh, I'm interested in yours for sure. First, though, um, I guess let's talk. You're a freelance journalist, much like myself, that covers the uh, – well, you don't just cover the GPs in Europe. You cover road races as well? Um, yeah, I mean, it basic, basically it's gone down to the World Championship. I've done it for 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also having a young family as well, you don't want to be on the road too much. So uh, it's basically just been just been motocross, which has been fine. You yeah. know, it's been great. But, like, for example, I've gone to Valencia a couple of times for the last MotoGP. And, uh, you know, having set up uh, an online magazine this year, then it's, uh, it's, it's nicer to be able to branch out and do sort of some different stuff. Yeah. You know, I was saying to someone the other day, it's actually weird. To, to to go to a race now and and not sort of sit there and think well I don't really have too much to do here it's uh, because it's, you know you know what it's like if you go to a race there's always a, a story to be found or someone to talk to or something to write about and um, you know it's it's impossible just to go there and sit there and have a coffee and do nothing yeah, so it's yeah. uh, you know right but, um, well, unless you're my wife at the motocross nations <laughs> um, uh, no uh, you're exactly right so w- for people who want to know what the, what's your website. Uh, well, I've got an online magazine called um, On Track Off Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's obviously it's the same title, OnTrackOffRoad.com. 
So that's focusing on um, the AMA side. You know, Steve Cox is contributing to that, so that's great. And I do the MXGPs, and we also have MotoGP in there as well. And I've got uh, two friends, uh, Matt Roberts and Gav, Gavin Emmett, who does the commentary on speed. Mm-hmm. So obviously the guys who kind of watch MotoGP over here, they'll recognize his voice. And he yeah. he writes some, you know, it's just very blog-based. It's very photo-based, uh, you know, reports, as we know, or online. You know, with Twitter coverage now, you can cover events, in, you know, instantaneously. So... For a bi-weekly free publication like this, the whole hook of it is just blogs and opinions on news from people mm-hmm. that are right there in the paddock. So, therefore, their opinions are valid. So, right. that's, that's the idea behind it. And uh, and how do you find the acceptances with online magazines? I, I know some, some people over here uh, in America, it's different from a website. It's literally like the magazine, like you know, you like you would read it. Seems to like have caught some companies and aftermarket people by they don't really know how to handle that yet. Do you find that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's something very new. I mean, obviously, to do it as well, it's uh, the software. You know, to mm-hmm. find good software that looks really nice, compatible, presents right. a magazine in a good way, it's not so easy to find, especially yeah. in, in a cost-effective way. I mean, if you want to spend, you want to throw money at it, you can like really get the latest technology right. and create an app for the iPad and everything. Well, that's just it. You don't know. This, this person reading it has a 17-inch monitor or a 13-inch monitor. Yeah, exactly. Do they have an iPad, a smartphone? Like, yeah, yeah, or an iPhone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's yeah. why the first mistake I think you you make or you see on a lot of online publications is that you'll see a 2,000-word story and. I just don't think you can do that on the screen. Yeah. You know, you, you, people want to look at pictures. They want to look at like cool videos. And yeah. then also if you can throw a bit of opinion in there with a, like a three or 400 word blog, then that's, that's, yeah. uh, you know, I think the best you can do at the moment. And, uh, you're an English guy, um, uh, based in Spain. Yeah. Um, Barcelona uh, of 10 years. How long, how many other journalists or how many other, uh, freelance magazines do you write for? How many, I mean, without naming them all and getting into it, but, uh, well, I contribute to about four, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I sell features as well. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm writing about stuff, um, people can read Adam's work too on RacerX.com. Uh, every GP uh, report there every Monday morning, I think. Yeah, Mondays, yeah, yeah, every Monday morning, um, which is cool to see and, and interesting. I, I'm a guy that's uh, obviously I covered this sport uh, over here, but I love the GPs. I read about them. I'm into them, and I think it's it's a neat series. Um, as well, you know, I'm gonna take a little dig. Here maybe that you may think it's a dig, but we'll we see this future stars of America almost. Mm. But first, is that a dig? No, no, no. Okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> how long have you been doing it for? Well, covering the GP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First season was 2001. Okay. And so I, yeah. I haven't missed a GP since, so it's like it's been uh, wow. pretty relentless. Even the uh, the kind of Nations B, you know, remember yep. the Nations was cancelled yep. I think in 03. Yeah, yeah. It happened in Spain. I ended up going for that. Yeah, uh, we had the World Cup here. That's and you guys right. Had, yeah. yeah. Competition Park. That whole uh, fiasco. Yeah, that was that was awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, I wonder if there's any people still listening to your podcast, Steve, because like you know, talking about the GP scene. I mean, that's a question I got for you. Actually, how do you find the reaction? to like the world championship because I, I you know from reactions i've seen from industry and also from fans it veers from complete kind of uh not derision but like you know it's yeah. there's something not to really be paid much attention to or there's other people that really like like to have a, a wider scope on motocross because you kind of ignore the fact that you know there's yeah. there's kind of two series going on i think it's it's just like um uh if you like the gps i don't think there's a middle ground I think if you like them, you follow them hardcore. You know, read your race reports on Racer X. Check the results on on Sunday morning. You know, with the time change, or there's no, there's nothing about the G, or you don't care about the GPS at all, or know anything. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just two groups. It's you either like it or into it and know what's going on, or you don't care at all and you just love 
Ryan Villapoto and American Motocross. But uh, do you think if you just like motocross, then you're probably interested because you know there's there's, uh, there's always there's always one guy winning something else, isn't there? Even uh, yeah. though it's across the water. Uh, you know what? I over here in America, I don't think so. I believe it's very. I mean, I'm Canadian, uh, living here for for a long time now. It's very America is very American centric. It just is with anything with the Olympics or you know any yeah. sort of sport. It's just that way. Uh, there's not a lot of people caring about what's going on outside these borders. And, of course, that's a general statement, but that's what I find. And I think so. I think for the motocross fans, you're either into it and you know you, know, you can name 15 GP riders um, off the top of your head, or you can't name three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that way. There's no in-between, I don't think. Um, and and it's, it's unfortunate because when you go to those GPs and motocross nations, you see those guys haul ass. They're as fast as the guys over here, and we could – talk for hours about that stupid debate but well i mean i'm going to confess my ignorance here because like i have yet to see like an ama supercross or motocross event so maybe live. that's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah live right, you know right. at a track so maybe that's another reason why people might want to switch off now but <laughs> uh, but you know it's uh i want to ask you actually i mean do you get people that are just into supercross or do you get people that are just mm. into motocross and think oh supercross no way is this a show it's no not, no you know, i think you're into both yeah you're really? you're into both yeah for sure for sure i mean there's you know, there's going to be those people uh, that you talk to that are like, I walked uphill to school both ways, and I hate Supercross. It's nothing but a, a glitz and glamour thing. You yeah. know, you're going to get those old-timer people and, and, you know, four strokes ruin the sport and all that. But I think generally you love Supercross, you love motocross. You know, you're myself, I mean, I love Supercross, and then when it gets near the middle of Supercross, I'm like, oh, I'm ready to see some nationals, you know. And yeah. uh, it's just such a different different deal. I think, too, um, you know, the old-school mentality of, of motocross is just so much harder and so much tougher and so much more manly, let's say, than a supercross. I think that's that perception is out there, but I don't think it's true because supercross, your heart rate gets incredibly high. You have, you know, uh, maybe it's not an endurance test, but trust me, those guys are, are you know, they're world-class athletes giving it their all in supercross. I mean, obviously, I assume people are going to know what's going on in both, but there might be some people that think, oh, I prefer to sit there in a stadium and have uh, my popcorn rather yeah, than yeah, walk yeah. up. No, there is. Know. Yeah, my wife is supercross only. She's like McGrath. <laughs> She's, it's hot. It's the porta-potties, you know, and all, I mean, that's just <laughs> the way she is. But, uh, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I don't know. It, I think the interest is uh, – you know, before the Nationals, I get the sense of the same hype, let's say, as there is before Supercross. Okay. People wondering what is going to happen, what's going on, who's going to do what, you know? Well, I'm going to put you on the spot then. Which one would you prefer to work at? What would you prefer to work at as a rider? I mean, would you rather cover a Supercross event or would you rather cover uh, a motocross? It doesn't matter to me. I see. They both get hit yeah. on one day. It's not like yeah. it's a, uh, you know. You know what? There's pros and cons of both. I, I can't say one or the other, you know? Like, um... The Nationals are a long day as a journalist, media guy covering the series. But I think if you um, you can really see how gnarly it is with those guys and how much they're, you know, how, how tough it is. Um, but like the writers to deal with, for example, do you find oh, they're easier to get, mm, would you, they're easier to speak with and get material with a, from a Supercross or a Motocross? Definitely a Supercross. There's way more downtime. After practice in Supercross to yeah. the night show, there's four hours. Okay. And we're literally just all hanging out, in my case, eating. Uh, uh, you know, so in Supercross, is easier for sure. A lot more hanging out, a lot more talking. Um, you know, but the motocross guys have press conferences. The Supercross guys do not. So, you know, if you want to get a word from the top three in each class, motocross is where it's at. In Supercross, you got to track those guys down. 
I mean, we can so. say also as well, Steve, like in motocross, one of the great things about the sport is just the accessibility we get to the riders and stuff. And I remember reading one of your stories yeah. when you spoke with uh, Tony Cairoli, the MX1 world champion in Lommel, and you were asking about the, the amount of press work he has to do. Like going, yeah. the, we, have, we have a press conference. Uh, usually, I have to think now, we have like a qualifying one on Saturday. Yeah. We have like a, sometimes a, a pre one on the Friday. You know, we have yeah. like invited, if you're racing in Bulgaria, then we have Peter Petrov, the Bulgarian kid, coming in to talk about the thing. And you kind of asked him, you know, is it kind of tough to do yeah. this? And he was like, no, why? It, it blew me away at Lomo. I, and I don't remember it being this way in Toshintal when I was there in 09. Blew me away still to this day. After the moto, they come in, they do a TV interview. Okay, that's normal. Right there on their bike, they're doing a TV interview. Then with um, Georgia Lindsay, Miss GP, they just sit on the podium with the MX2 guys, and they must have did an interview, a live interview, half an hour. It's long. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't gone back to their truck. They're still in their <laughs> gear. It's dirty. Hey, uh, James. Yeah. Um, we're gonna need you, uh, Stuart, to uh, just sit here for about half hour, forty minutes. We're just gonna do a little interview for the, you know, for. The, no. You know what I mean? That blew me away. Yeah, but also you've got to add on, like, if, for example, if you're in France and you're going to have the commentator grabbing them saying, hey, can you speak some words? Yeah. You know, like Stephen English, Frost, wins the Grand Prix. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, and then, you know, so you have the qualifying ones. You have the dudes who get the whole shot. They have yeah. a, a, a picture time, at least. Maybe not interview, but a picture with them. They have to show up and do the Love My Time. Is it Love My Time? Yeah, that's love, right. Love My Time, yeah. Um, they got the press conferences. Yeah. After the race, they got the, the – uh, it blows me away. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's – Amazing. And yeah, Caroli was just like looking at me like I was crazy for asking that question. Like, I'm like, dude, how, you know, I mean, he's the James Stewart of Europe or the Ryan Villapoto yeah. of Europe. How do you deal with all that? And he's just like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, like, you just know, like, it's fine, you know? And, uh, but it always struck me like, and this is going to seem like a slam on Stewart, who I, um, you know, I know well and I get along well with. Go to Bercy, and, you know, James has this area cordoned off and a little room built for him where he can go and the fans can't see him and there's all these people there and it's a big ordeal and I go last year and there's Tony Caroli five-time now world champion the best rider in Europe without a doubt hands down he's just sitting on a stand by himself uh you know open pits just yeah just leaning on the railing yeah 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 yeah. blew me away I'm just like wow no no fanfare, no entourage, nothing. And, and uh, I do like that about the European races. And then, you know, when I was uh, after, and I want to get to the Monster Energy Cup and all that, but after, um, uh, was it Lomo? Or it, no, Lomo. I said to Tony's uh, girlfriend, Jill, I said, hey, can I get a word with him really quick? She's like, yeah, yeah, come here. They're all in doping control. they got to wait for P. Well, there's the top, I think it was just MX1 guys, and there might have been four of them. I don't know, maybe there's a random test or something. And they're laughing and joking around like no one's business. Russian Bobby, Frassard, Caroli, maybe a couple other guys. I mean, you put Villapoto, Dungey, Stewart, and Reed <laughs> all in this little tiny room waiting to pee to drug test. And, I mean, I don't know if you can fit them all in there because they're all going to have their, their, their entourages and stuff. But it just blows me away. I, I like that. Don't, I'm not bad. I'm, I like it. It's great. It's, it takes me back to, like, these guys are just really motocross racers. That's it. We're not curing cancer here. Why are they like that, though, Steve? I, mean, I don't why, know. Yeah. Why, why does James Stewart have his own little room? Why does he have an entourage? Yeah, I mean, I don't you, know. Have the media built them up, these guys, into something you know uh, too big? Because uh, I mean, you're talking about MotoGP kind of levels, really. I mean, Valentino Rossi's in a position at a MotoGP race where he has to sprint from his race truck to the pit garage. 
uh, to his motorhome. He's always on the back of a scooter. He just has to get through the crowd because right. there's permanently people around yeah. you know, the, the caddy kind yeah. of race team. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question. Is it because American Supercross slash motocross is that much more popular than the GPs? I'm not sure. I don't think that's the answer. So is it the money? The guys are making more money probably over here, I think. Or is it the hype? Is it yeah, just the fact it, people is it, have is it the hype? Yeah. James Stewart's had people since he was, a, I don't know, maybe from yeah. such a young right. age telling him he's the best ever. No, no, they, they all have. All those guys have. Yeah, they've come through the, the ranks. But I would think, to me, the European riders would have the same sort of hype. No, the not Italian really. magazines no, would be. Not really. No, no, yeah. no. The only person, the only rider, like, again, I've been doing it for 11 years. I think the only rider I've kind of encountered that's had that kind of uh, hullabaloo, for want of a better word, has been like Ken Roxon. And yeah. like uh, people have been saying, you know, since he was like sort right. of 13, 12, 13, he is the next big one. Yeah. And people think, okay, okay, we've heard a little yeah, bit of height. Yeah. We're not going to see anything. But then in his first GP, he finishes, I think, seventh overall, fourth in the second moto. Yeah. The next GP in Spain, he's fighting for the victory, you know, the, in the yeah. second Grand Prix. Yeah. You know, at you 14 kind of years and no, he 10 was 15. Or, yeah, oh, his 15, 15th okay. birthday. He had he was it was round four, okay. uh, 2009. Yeah. That was his first GP. But you know that was a, an example where the hypes come through, and the same for Jeffrey Herlings. You know, yeah. Um, but there's not been. I mean, Tony's his first GP year in 03 didn't qualify. Yeah. I remember seeing. I thought, where's this skinny kind of like kid yeah, buzzing yeah, around yeah. on a, a pit bike? He seems faster on the pit bike than he does on the track. Although I will say, when I was at Teuschenthal in 09, Everett's was walking through the pits and surrounded. And yeah. you know, he had been off the bike for years already. And when I tried to get a word with him, he said, hey, come here. Come here underneath the tent so, you know, I can get away from these. He can't stop. You know yeah. what I mean? So that, I guess that that's maybe the equivalent, you know? I don't know. Um, but I mean, you're a 10 times world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be. Maybe it's the equivalent of someone like Ricky trying to walk through the paddock now. I don't right, know. right. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised at that. I was like, wow, okay. Everett still remains a big deal yeah. here in the GPs, you know? Um, I mean, I know like <laughs> – uh, not even close to on the level, but like my buddy Tim Ferry helping Trey Canard last year. I mean, there's nobody bothering him. He's sitting in the hospitality. <laughs> yeah, his time's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's bothering him. Now, of course, he's not even close to a guy like Stefan. And this hurts me to say this. It pains me. But <laughs> he's not on Everett's level. Uh, you know, but it's still, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times it's like if you're, you're just gone. But so was, I was impressed that Everett's was still, you know, somebody. But uh yeah, I do like that about the GPs. You know, I've gone to a few GPs now and in Disney nations and things like that, and it's cool. Um, before we let, let's switch to some, before we get to back to the GP talk, Monster Energy Cup. Uh, that's the reason you're here. What do you think? What do you? What do you? I mean, I was hoping you'd bring some euros with you. That was <laughs> yeah. it. You know, that was the word. Was that we might see early on? I heard the word was we're going to see Caroli for Sard, maybe Philip Hartz. You know, before he got hurt. Yeah. Because uh, he's a Monster Energy athlete. We're going to see Paulin. Uh, you know, and I was like, oh, cool, right on. But none of that really happened. I think that's going to be one of the stories of the weekend, really, actually, is whether this event like will be able to sustain itself over the years, whether it will get the European contingent coming across. And I think it will need um, some photographs and some TV clips of like how this track is pretty much open. You know, it's not like a, an AMA Supercross track where the Europeans were thinking, well, what's the point of me going over there to right. finish 10th? Um, so, you know, I think uh, there'll be some interesting reactions in Europe to it now. As for why people didn't come over this time, perhaps it was a little bit of a skepticism towards it, you know, being kind of very much an AMA-shaped event um, and also just coupled with the injuries. I mean, mm -hmm. you had Dave Philippots broke both of his arms. Stephen Frossard had a, a lung infection. Uh, he was advised it was dangerous for him to ride. Gautier Paulin switching teams. It was kind of awkward for him. Tommy Searle, I think, you know, had his first full season in like three years or something. Mm -hmm. So... He was keen for a break. And then, uh, you know, you had, you had like uh, Christophe Poussel, who was like, you know, in an 
an unstable situation anyway with CLS Kawasaki. There wasn't that many kind He's of monster athletes. just unstable, period, I think. <laughs> get to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, yeah. Ken Roxon, I think, was Umin and Arin, but then he decided he needed more time to come and settle because obviously he's going to be an yeah. AMA rider next year. Uh, you know, the same for Tony Kairoli, broke his scaffold at the Nations. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, we've been talking in it Europe this year whereby saying, you know, should GP riders be, like, deviating from like these 15 races they have to do in trying to win their world championship right. in MX1, MX2. Uh, Clement de Salle got injured twice in Belgian championship races. Yeah. Is, you know, should, and Bobby went down, this? Russian Bobby went down yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah Max yeah, Nagel yeah. in a crash yeah. in the second one in, in Mole. So, um, you know, you could say, is this Monster Energy Cups one of these kind of non-GP essential races? Uh, I think it might take even a year or two for people to switch their schedules around and think, right, okay, the season doesn't end with the Nations. I'm not going on holiday in October. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do you know, some more riding. And, and the guy, Dave Prater from Fell, did say they're playing with this date a little bit. You know, yeah. They're maybe playing with this date. Um, but then I, if, you bring it, uh, if you bring it earlier, then if it's like the first weekend in October, then aren't guys just you know, climbing on new machinery? Uh, yeah, yeah, over here? yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, you run into... It's almost like a perfect window where you can get them on their old machines, but then they're like, eh, why bother? Or if you do it a little bit later, they're like, I'm not ready. Although Ryan Dungey is stepping up, which is great to see. He's stepping up and racing this weekend, which I think is good. He needs to do that. But, uh, you you know, there's two sides to the coin, like as far as the perfect size. You guys, the GP guys, do go later than us next year, I believe. Isn't your calendar... I mean, I've, the provisional calendar runs until the middle of October, yeah. which could be a problem for this race. But then I think I've heard some rumors that it's going to be squashed up and it'll actually be finishing in September. I believe so. there was three calendars released last year. So <laughs> we might be on version one right now. Yeah, we, we usually <laughs> don't book our travel for the, until like the new year. Yeah, until you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it blows me away. that, that you, um, Do the guys do it, the Belgian championships, and Bobby did the Belgium, uh, Zach Osborne did the English. Do they do it for the start money? Or do they do it because their teams want them to? Uh, some riders, for sure, they do it for the start money. Yeah. Um, but then, like in the case of Clement de Salle, factory rider with, with Suzuki, um, I know him and his team, they have the opinion that a Belgian championship race is just a, a refined form of training. And even Joel Smets, the manager of Team Belgium mm-hmm. and the Motocross Nation, said the same thing. He said, you know, uh, he stood up and said, I, these guys do not race enough. They need to race more. Yeah. You know, which you could say, all right, that's a little bit of an antiquated view about things. But... Uh, you know, it's just the whole yeah, the old cliche of racing being the best one of practice. Yeah, but then you got Bobby who landed on the back of Desal. Well, yeah, that's I mean, the, like still that's, uh, disputed yeah. as whose fault it was. Oh, it was uh, so. okay. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I don't want to get into that, but no. Uh, to me, you know, Osborne did. I think he said if he hadn't been hurt, it would have been 18 weeks in a row with GPs and English championships. I think that's crazy. You can't ask a guy to do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't at this I, level two motos, you know, and well, I think the English stuff they ride four. It's three motos, three, yeah, okay, three twenty three. minutes. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a bit of a strange setup. But you know, Zach rides for a British team, and one right. of their priorities has been the British Championship. In Next year, years. though, he's out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's very so, excited about that, and I, I don't know, blows me away. But then again, you know, unlike here in America, where we do seventeen Supercrosses, one week off. 12 nationals, you guys just do the 14 GPs or whatever it is. Yeah, we 16 next 16, year. 16 GPs. Yeah, you have a few preseason internationals, which usually most of the right. the factory riders do. So they're probably doing yeah. maybe 20 races yeah. in a year. Yeah. Um, and we're doing, the guys here are doing 29. Yeah. Plus, you know, this thing, whatever, 30. So, I mean, it, it's it, interesting. But then, like, you know, you've got riders like uh, Steve Ramon, who's like nearly 31 and still able to post like top five, top six results mm-hmm. in a GP. I mean, Ricky Carmichael, when did he retire? 27? Yeah. Villa Polish just won everything. Ryan yeah. Dungey's won it. Do you think these guys are still going to be racing past 27? I yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Not with the money they're making or whatever. How uh, is Ramon, by the way? 
Uh, the last I heard, I think he's, he's, he was out of hospital yeah. like a few weeks ago. So uh, he's on the mend. But in terms yeah. of making a return yeah, to riding... Yeah, is he a long road back or is he done? Um, I, I, had to, I spoke with his, doc, his doctor a couple of weeks after the accident. He said the nerve damage he had around his neck and his back was pretty pretty harsh. It was going to be a painful recovery. Yeah. Huh. Um, but, you know... It's, in terms of him racing again, it's just impossible to say at the moment. Wow. It was it was like a six month injury. If he's done, then uh, I was at his very last GP. Steve yeah, Lomo? I think that was Lomo. it. Yeah, it was yeah. Lomo in quali qualification. Yeah. Lomo. yeah, he was uh, second or third or whatever coming yeah. down. He was a double world champion. Yeah. won the Lou Two K Beach Race, won Belgian Championship. One thing about Steve Ramon too, I'll always remember. Always uh, stepped up at the Motocross Nations, and you'd be like, okay, well, Ramon had a bad year, and he'd ride good at the Motocross Nations, you know. So. Yeah. Speaking of Motocross Nations, I, I think I. Forgot to put this in my column, but I love how, like, the Belgians, they were decimated this year. No DeSalle and Rollins is okay. Um, who else did they have? They, I, they, they were missing the Dijka. The, one uh, of the guys I didn't even heard of. One of the guys they had. Oh, uh, Marvin Vandala. Yeah. Okay. Never heard of. It doesn't matter. Whoever Belgium puts on there comes through with something. I mean, the team top five this year, I think they were fifth. Yeah. And the, guy, I, the guy's a postman. Yeah. <laughs> He's there we go. <laughs> Their third rider was a postman, yeah. and, and it got fifth overall. Yeah. And then also, too, I've I seen the, the huge effort that Team Belgium puts in. You know, they had flags with Roland's face on it, and they looked to me like there was a ton of uh, red, yellow, and black uh, yeah. jackets, you know? It's just always impressive. Like, Belgium, they are hardcore motocross. That is it. You yeah, know? I think you'll see a, a big display of it next year at the Nations in Lommel. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. To me, it's not the nicest track. It's probably not the nicest location to have a big race like that. Uh, for sure, they need to do some work around the infrastructure just yeah. to fit the quantity of people that's coming. But yeah. it's going to be a lively atmosphere, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's a terrible track to spectate. I mean, I was on that Red Bull thing on yeah. the second floor, and it still was terrible. Oh, but you the, know? There was something with the track this year. It was so soft. At the end of the motos, they were just getting around the guys. They weren't really racing. You yeah, know? yeah. It was, it was <laughs> to a point where it was like, wow, this is... Uh, yeah. You know, trying yeah. to see. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see the um, the the American guys there. I'm going to put do. my wallet on the table, Steve, and say that the American run of dominance in Motocross Nations will end a long next uh, year. you're you're drunk. I know. You're <laughs> drunk. I just came back from Chili's with Adam, and he's clearly had too much queso. No uh, way. In this, in that Lomo sand. No, it doesn't matter. No, dude. It will eat you up and spit yeah, you out. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I I, I mean, it, uh, yeah, our guys can ride sand. The Americans can ride sand. I'm Canadian, so uh, <laughs> uh, I think it'll be tough. It'll be really tough, and it will be a great race. But Bill Poto lives in Florida. Dungey lives in Florida. You know, maybe we'll bring Dowd out, John Dowd back. Um, it should be good, though. Uh, Monster Energy Cup. So today was press day. Um, I don't know when I'll run this thing. Probably next week. But what did you think the track? They rode uh, probably for 20 minutes today. Yeah, it was. It looks quick. It's really yeah. narrow. I mean, there's some real like choppy sections where it was very super crossy. Then suddenly went into this big like kind of like Sad whoop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's really curious, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, you know, Ricky Carmichael's was pretty much saying his main aim is he wants it to be fun and good for racing. So um, we'll see his uh, his qualifications as a track designer on uh, yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, it should be it should be fun. I like the going up in the stands. As I as I uh, tweeted earlier, tweeted tweeted earlier. I just applaud the guys for thinking outside the box, you know, and trying to do something different. Yeah. You know, three ten lappers and going up in the stands and some sand whoops and good job, you know, because trust me, Adam, going to 17 supercrosses, you're like, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> they're going to come out of that turn. They're going to go on and off and four. And then the next, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it gets to be pretty repetitive. So uh, I just like these guys that they did something different, you know, and it should be good, I think. Um, and I do hope one day we see 
Caroli, Frassard, Paul Ann, you know, these guys. It'd be awesome to make it sort of a America versus Europe thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like I did an interview with Carmichael today, and I said there's like, uh, there is not really like room in the market, but there is a hole really for an event like this that brings together riders where they're not having to engage in a team race or they're not having to wear a national color. Right. They're doing it just because they want to yeah. be there and they want to be racing Ryan Dungey or Ryan mm-hmm. Villapoto for once, you know? Yeah, one of the, th- the things about the Motocross Nations that isn't really brought up is there's not a lot of depth there. There really isn't. There, You know, you pick the three best riders you can, but the MX2 guy has to be under 24. And, uh, you know, you got a lot of other countries that aren't on the level. There's six or seven countries, which is 21 guys that are world-class riders, and it drops off pretty quick after that. Yeah. You know? um, but now if you could send up, you know, all the GP riders, no matter what country they're from, Versus all the Ameri- Ameri- you know the AMA guys. Now there's a race. Yeah. There's something you know. Um, America always has quite an advantage at that race because we just have so many people to, to pick from. You know, and I think if you, I mean, the track today, I thought it was uh, maybe a little bit more super crossy than I thought it would be. I agree. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I so agree. I yeah. think if you could even make it a little bit more simpler, just make it all out like yeah. race. You know, don't have to think too much on the on the sections. Yep. Then uh, you know you're gonna get like some GP riders are excited to do it. Yeah, I agree. There was a couple things where I was like, really? Wow. Okay. All right. But nothing that looked that hard. I mean, the guys yeah. were getting over it pretty good. But you know, uh, uh, you you can you can if you have good racing, you don't need the big jumps because if you just have good racing, the fans will, will yeah. dig it. Yeah, you know, that's right. how do you make good racing? Well, maybe you tame it down a little bit for the uh, for the GP guys, you know, who don't race. Um, all right, let's uh let's talk about uh, the GPs uh, a little bit more here. Uh, Antonio Caroli, five-time world champion. It, early on, he came into the season injured a little bit, and early on, Clement DeSalle seemed to have his number. And I was thinking, wow, AC, who's now my buddy, by the way, we're buddies. We're talking. <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, my guy AC looks to be in trouble. Like he looks like he may lose this thing. Uh, now DeSalle got hurt. How much did Caroli's injury, in your opinion, how much did Caroli's injury? Uh, helped DeSalle uh, early on. Was it a factor, or, or did DeSalle just have him covered? Yeah, I think he, uh, goodness me, I think the injury, I mean, Tony, I think, finished eighth or ninth in the first GP. Mm-hmm. It took him a little bit of time just to run into the season, and also he kind of distracted himself a little bit in the winter with the Supercross adventure and coming out to the U.S. Yeah. and trying Bercy and all the rest of it. Yeah, he wasn't pumped on the <coughs> on the quality of practice he got over here when he was here. Like, he didn't feel like he you know, went to Lomo and trained his ass off. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was so I mean it's like I was saying earlier to someone, I think Tony, apart from Jeffrey Hernes, is probably the best Sam rider in the world today. I mean he's 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 done yeah. it. I mean I was I've written before as well that in, in Lomo, in the heart of Belgium, in this sandy track, this typical Benny Lux kind of terrain you know, for these fans to to be watching a Sicilian beating them, yeah. it must be a complete Southern freak Italy. out. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, you know, going back to the question, I think Clement really got the momentum going. Uh, he won at Glen Helen and, and like really built up. I think he led five of the first six rounds of the World Championship until like uh, you know he hurt himself the first time. Mm-hmm. It really would have gone closer to the wire than it had done in 2010. You had Stephen Frostard in there mixing things up a little bit, yeah. and then Evgeny Bobrychev, the Russian on the factory Honda. Uh, once he made a few tests and got into a position where he was really happy with the bike, then he was also right up there. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to say. I think Clement would have pushed him uh, yeah. for the title, but Tony's just uh, just kept that consistency going. He does, doesn't he? It seems like he, does, he avoids his bad, his bad days aren't that bad. You know what I mean? But he always says in interviews, he rides for fun. He says, I'll ride for fun. So I remember saying to him, look, you know, 
you just won like your fourth world championship last year. Where's your motivation? You know, are you really going to be able to right. keep running for fun? Where are you going to find the fun? <laughs> you know, you've won practically yeah. on every different terrain and every different race yeah. circumstance. You've come back from 10th on the first lap and you've led from the first corner and you've won races. Yeah. You know, you've shown your versatility, everything. You're on a brand new bike, blah, blah, blah. blah. And uh, he just said, you know, like each each day brings a different challenge, you know. And he said, well, that's kind of one way to look at it. Yeah, and then, yeah. like, he, he's always keeping in the back of his mind, like, if I finish fourth today, then I'm going to be doing all right for the championship. Mm-hmm. It's a shame he wasn't put in a position where he had to get results. He had to get a second. He had to get a win to, to you know, put, yeah. come on to, to sell even further in the Yeah, shame. he hasn't been pressed, pressed, huh? He, he's... Yeah, this, he's kind of yeah. snuck away with everything and dominated. Not even dominated, but just slowly, you know. I'm hoping we'll have a season next year, pretty much like you guys had this year. Yeah, you know, with the two Ryans. Yeah, uh, Frasar <coughs> took a huge step up um, this year uh, in his riding. I, when I went to Toshental, he's MX2 on a Cowie, I think, and he struck me as a very American riding style. Lots of scrubbing, uh, lots of sort of uh, elbows up, and you know, maybe the exact opposite of say uh, a Josh Coppins or Philipparts. And uh, he took a really big step up in the MX1. Uh, can he? Can he be the next world champion? I mean, well, I mean, he's a classic case of a rider who comes in under the radar. You know, yeah. first year in MX1, factory Yamaha rider, maybe not so much expectations. He mm-hmm. won the Italian Championship in the off season, which made people thought, oh, okay, he's going to be handy on a 450. Right. And uh, he's always said to anyone that would listen, you know, I'm a 450 rider. I tried three years ago. I tried the 450. I love it. Yeah. Uh, he had pro circuit support in 2010. That's the reason why he stuck another year in MX2. Um, and won his first GP, incidentally, on the, on a 250. But, um, you know, he was able to come in without any pressure. I mean, David Philipparts was kind of seen as the main guy for Yamaha. Yep. And, uh, you know, he he just excelled, I think, from that first race in Bulgaria where he said he rode, like, brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think he did it again in Sweden later in the year. He just picked up the confidence. It's funny because I don't put a lot of stock in the preseason races in Europe. I know that the riders are, you know, they literally, they just peak themselves up. I mean, it's a yep. very sophisticated thing. They will even, you know, back it down if, if you know, like in America, it's like, ah, oh, we're going to win every race and whatever. I mean, look at the Americans like back in, like Goat Brecker winning Bokir and all these races that never mattered. Um, is it Bokir? I don't know. Bokir, yeah. Bokir. Um, uh, so I never put a lot of stock in the preseason stuff. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But he killed it in preseason. Frasar did. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I still not putting any stock in that, you know, and Come and find out he's for real. I mean, like most people's preseason tips for the title won it this year, Cairoli and, and yeah. Roxon. <clears throat> but then you had like Arno Tonus, who was winning preseason races as well on the Yamaha, the, the bike at Cosworth Wildwolf Yamaha. And, uh, you know, he had his best season. He finished fifth in the world. Talking right. about a rider who's done three world championships now, three world championships, and he's gone up. He's gone like from 16th to 8th, now to 5th. Yeah. And he was British champion as well. So, you know, you could say that the, the preseason internationals was a good indication. Yeah, of, of where he's going to uh, be. Yeah, yeah, of like, you know, what he's going to uh, And probably I'd say the, the fourth amigo, and we'll get to the fifth one, the fourth guy is uh, Bobrashev, um, who was all right to start the season and really came on strong. Um, uh, I was impressed with him in, in in Lomo in one way in that he he had a lot of fight in him, man. He took a digger and still fought. But then other time, I thought he got a little tired. Like maybe his fitness could be a little bit better. He is brilliant. Yeah. There's no 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 mistaking. He is brilliant. Both and he was wide off. open in Motocross the Nations. Yeah. On off the bike, he is such a good character. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah. he loves to have fun. He's just very open, talks to all the people. Pretty He's much very... the exact opposite of a Russian stereotype, right? <laughs> yeah, like, he could say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mind you, he did say that uh, he made a joke uh, after he won the GP in Germany, the first Russian rider since... Uh, Moisev? I think Moisev. Or, uh, yeah. 
Oh, the name escapes me now, but um, I think it was like sort of thirty odd years. Okay. You know, first time yeah. a Russian won a GP, he said like his dad would be getting on on the on the vodka. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in the next GP we went to Latvia and like uh, he finished on the podium. I said to him he's, in the press conference, "Is your dad still drinking or not?" And yeah. He's like, "No, no, please don't make him don't make a mistake. He's not an alcoholic." <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. you know, he's like that. I mean, yeah. uh, can he can he win? Can, can he win? Can he win a world championship? Yeah. Uh, on the spot. You know, I mean, like, I mean yeah, like he uh, can win races, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, nobody's going to push him around on the track. Yeah. I did an interview with him in 2008 when he was in MX2, just starting on mm-hmm. the Yamaha, and he was like, "I said, look, can we have a chat?" Because he was like running top ten speed, you know, uh-huh. this Russian kid out of nowhere. Yeah, and uh, I kind of said to him, "Can I have an interview?" And he's like, "You want an interview with me?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, you know." And sort of we talked a lot about you know Russia and uh, yeah. the motocross in Russia, and he said that some races they have over there they you know they have to drive like 600k and yeah. they also into roads that aren't even on maps you know so it's like you had a gp there like what four, four years ago uh 2002 yeah. we had a gp okay. we actually we got that one next ago? year yeah Man, I'm, I'm getting old um, um we got one next year they just released a press release about it so we're going back to russia in 2012 uh yeah which is cool I, the, you know the russians there was a guy over here doing all the nationals uh russian guy Evgeny mikhailov Outside the top 20, just outside the top 20. Right. Pulp MX stepped up and gave him goggles and graphics, by the way. And then there was another guy, Sergei Atsakin, who raced one national over here. And I believe he rode at his nations for the team. Okay. And then Bobby, it seems like, where'd these Russians come from? Like, yeah. After being just, you know, dormant forever, like, they're all of a sudden, they're, they got a legitimate, like, little team going on. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com Racer X podcast show. It's that time. Time for a commercial. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. Racing since 1970, O'Neill is the original American MX company supplying fine apparel, protection, and accessories for over four decades. O'Neill is proud to support top racers worldwide, including the Moto Concepts Yamaha Racing Team in the U.S. Supercross and Outdoor National Series. In 2010, O'Neill worked with top racing professionals, including Grant Langston, Tim Ferry, and Ricky Dietrich, in developing its all-new 2011 line. O'Neill's hardware line is the toughest money can buy and has been critically acclaimed for durability, fit, form, and function by Motocross Action Magazine. Hardware pants and jerseys are designed to function while putting you ahead of the pack in fast-forward fashion. When it's time to gear up, check out O'Neill.com or an authorized O'Neill dealer near you. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and is now getting set to launch its all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand.
The wait is over, so go visit your local dealer for more information or log on to jtracingusa.com to find a dealer near you. Funny. And then, so, you know, DeSalle, Caroli, um, uh, Bobrashev, and uh, uh, Frassard, and then there's Christophe Purcell. Yeah. Who, I mean, when he came back this year, what were you thinking? Uh, I mean, I mean he, a, he forgot his chest protector. At, yeah, there was a big deal made about him in Germany, you know, yeah. like, oh, where is he? Is he here? Is he turned up? And, <laughs> is he like you know, a ghost? Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, uh, would anyone, would he talk to anyone? Is anyone going to try and talk to him? Right. And, you know, and that, that first uh, GP was just, <clears throat> you know, passed by in a little bit of a joke. And I did an interview with him actually in, in Germany, like uh, the penultimate round. And he said that, you know, the bike, they gave him a factory bike basically and they said, look, you know, I just can't do it on this, yeah. you know, and he went away and obviously the next race, I think after uh, Tichental was Lommel, which, you know, if you're not prepared for yeah. the sand, you're not going to want to yeah. jump in there Didn't straight away. Up there. So uh, they just gave him a stock bike, you know, and he was great PR for Kawasaki because he said, look, the bike is stuck. I'm riding a production bike, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, I mean, to answer your questions, Dean, I think, you know, I think he'll be a title contender next year. Yeah, He's just do. too good. Yeah. He's just too good. It just depends... Where his friend, where where his where his head is, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible to see him this year. Like, he, he, over here he was a bust, no doubt about it. But he goes over there, and I mean he's winning races and motos, anyways. And then he's sort of crashing out of some, or like, I don't know what to make of him. I don't know. I don't know if he can do it. He can win races though. He can win races if it's on. Like if the sun and the moon and. Everything is aligned. But, I mean, you know, he's racing on his terms. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to kind yeah. of respect that in a way. You right. know? He's like, I'll race if the bike is right, the deal is right. And it's, um, yeah. you know, and it, you know, after he sort of suffered like partial paralysis, you've got to think, well, the kid's entitled to his. Uh, yeah, whatever know. he wants. Now, uh, what about his brother? Is his brother going to race again? I mean, yeah, Sebastian. We... Yeah. 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 I saw him in uh, the French GP in June. Uh, was it June? Just after, just after Glenn Helen, and he was still wearing like this, this kind of body brace mm-hmm. on his torso. And, uh, you know, but then uh, I bumped into him again at the Nations, and he said, you know, he started riding again, so he's starting to come back. I mean, Sebastian's problem was he just, just crashed too much. Yeah. And he yeah. had a concussion that affected his, his vision, and uh, he just needed to step away. Just, yeah, yeah. It's been a shame because he, he finished, he won the the the, moto, the class in the motocross in the Nations, yeah. I think, in 08. But yeah. then after that, he went to Guadalumpur, I think, for a national, like, stroke holiday. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then just wrecked his well, shoulder. that's right, yeah. He, didn't he get hauled off and had some shoddy medical treatment or something? Yeah, or, well, he, yeah, just, yeah. he just wrecked himself, and then that yeah. was it. It's been going, you know, up oh. and downhill since then. Uh, anybody else you see getting into that mix? Did I cover everybody? <laughs> uh, did I, uh, is there anybody? You've got Gautier Paulin stepping up to MX1 next ah, year. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot about Paul either. I mean, yeah, he won a motor in the Nations. Yeah. That's twice he's done that now. Yeah. And he won the last GP. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he can do on the factory Kawasaki. Yeah, he's going to have a good bike underneath him, so that's good. Championship? I'm not sure, but I right. think he'll be up there for... Big rival with Fossard, I'm sure. Like yeah. They'll be, they, won't be, they won't be buddies, and the French will probably... French press will get in there and build them both up. And Well, I think, you know, Frossard, he led the... He was the only rider, apart from um, the Salle in the first six races, to lead the world championship. And I think mm-hmm. he was the first Frenchman since, like, 04, 05, since Pichon to oh, do really? that. So, yeah. you know, if there's a French rider really going for an MX1, then it's, it's good for those guys because they've had the MX2 riders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and getting to MX2, uh, Ken Roxon, uh, he's, a, he's an incredible rider. What's your opinion on him? Do you think uh, he can cut it uh, oh, in, yeah. in the Supercross? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, he won Vegas. He uh, numerous top tens. Uh, he got on a KTM 350, which we had seen Michael Essie and Andrew Short struggle with, and got seventh at Daytona. I mean, the kids, I can't, I don't know if I can think highly. I don't know if he's going to win the national title his first year out. You know, it could be like some teething problems or something, but 
he's going to be a national champion. He's a special rider. He's yeah, I mean yeah. he's world champion in his second full season. So. Right, right. Uh, how's he? How was he to deal with? Uh, how, did you see him? Uh, you know, change from being a kid just happy to be there to being this uh, this guy. He seems seems great to me. I mean, yeah, I think it's only natural that happens. I mean, he's a teenager, sixteen, yeah. seventeen years old, and if you have people telling you you're fantastic, the best thing, you know, making a lot of money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just uh, you know, he's, he's his parents are always there, uh, so he's got that grounding. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's brilliant. And he knows it, and everybody tells him it. So it's only kind of natural that kind of rubs <laughs> yeah, off yeah. after a while. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy to deal with when he was here. He was funny and outgoing, and you know what I mean. And I had him a few times on uh, on our show on Monday night. He's a funny kid, you know. Yeah. And, and his his a little bit of lack of English understanding made it even funnier, you know. So uh, I see him being, you know, I see him being a future star over here. Uh, I mean, for, like, for for years. Steve, you came to Tuchentown. Tuchentown this year was the best Grand Prix of the year because it was absolutely packed and yeah. the atmosphere was fantastic because they're all rooting yeah. for him. And it's like uh, him and also Max Nagel to a degree in yeah. MX1 have been responsible for this resurgence in, in motocross in Germany. And it's just been really, it's so cool to see an event go from having attendance where you have maybe, I don't know, 15,000 people mm -hmm. to going up to like 35,000 just because there, you know, there's yeah. that much excitement about one particular kid. So Yeah, when I was there, Roxon won with a 2-2. Two, <coughs> won with a two, two. Yeah. Uh, but led one of the motos for a while. And then Nagel led the first moto forever until what happened, you told me. You're like, here comes Caroli. He was on a Yamaha then. Yeah. And, and you were like, oh, just wait. I remember talking to you in the middle of the moto. And I'm like, hey, Nagel, you know. And you're like, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Like, 25 minutes in, here comes Caroli. And sure enough, he got him with, like, two laps to go. Or maybe last lap. I don't remember. But anyways, it was an incredible atmosphere. The, the German fans, the horns and the flags yeah. and everything. It was just really, really cool to go to see that. And that's what we lack here in our nationals, I think. Just the country pride. Because, you know, we're all just in one country. So, yeah, it's, it's a different scene. So next year with Roxon leaving, is Hurlings the heavy favorite? I think uh, Hurlings is on level peg with Tommy Searle. I think those two. <coughs> you think, and, you know, yeah, so Searle's on his level, you think? Yeah, I think he can be. Yeah. He didn't win as many races as Jeffrey this year. Maybe Hurlings had a little bit of that KTM effect with him right. and Rod's, uh, Roxon. Right the, I mean, there were, the KTMs were in the top three or four around the first corner, yeah. practically every motor. <laughs> Um, so, I don't you know, know how much you pay attention to the to American press conferences or whatever, but Musquin after Steel City, he made his first podium of the year, and they said Wygant asked him what the difference was between the GPs and, and the Nationals, and he says it was hilarious. I know that if you have a KTM over there, you will be you will be in the whole shot, and we're yeah. just like all laughing. He's like over here, everybody's got great bikes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the KTMs are just a step above, huh? Yeah, and MX2, it's been the bike to have yeah. in the last few years. I mean, Tyler Rattray as well, you know, winning the World Championship in 08. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you yeah, know, I think it's going to be down between, you know, I, I always uh, rate Zach Osborne as well. You know, for Yamaha, I've been telling people the last two years, you know, watch out for him because yeah. if he can get the consistency going, then he'll be up there. Yeah, he seems to battle with that a little bit, huh? Uh, yeah. You know, he'll have, a, he'll have a good race, and then he can't stay out of that DNF, four race or you know or 10 10 or something you know what i mean like yeah where uh like you know like we said those other guys on their good days they're just on their bad days they're still good you know so i mean zach's a good rider to watch and uh you know he's, he's just had problems i mean he like he broke his wrist in Glen helen and uh you know got sick as well but the, the season before he managed to keep healthy and show people what he could do right um, you know, and really like shaved a lot of weight and like got into good shape for this season. So it's a real big shame. I, I, I really hope like American fans keep an eye on him because, um, you know, there's, there's, there's real potential there. He should be applauded for like trying to, to do, you know, to do another series anyway. I'd love to see him 
if he was up there and riding well, I'd love to see him go to Lomo as a as the MX2 rider. I don't know if that'll happen. But yeah, I think also in the sand it might not be. Mind you, what like you know what American rider could you have in the sand under twenty three? Barsha. Yeah. But yeah. Wins, he wins Southwick and he's really fast there. He'll be MX2 next year over here too. How old is he? Twenty one. Okay. Yeah. 21, 22. Is he staying 250 classes? Yeah, going back to 250, yeah. One oh, okay. more year. And then Does he want to do that, or is he being maneuvered? No, I, I don't think he wants to do that, but I think that's what his contract says he has to do. Right. <laughs> so, um, But who knows if Honda ran into injuries again on their 450 team, if he wouldn't get the call, you know? Do you think maybe he should have done it this year, or was it Blake Baggett all the way for the nation? No, no, you couldn't go with Barsha, because his MX2 results in America weren't there. He just wasn't, hang- he wasn't making it. Wasn't making it. Yeah, but Happen. he proved that he's obviously quick enough because he, you know. Uh, maybe just not on the 250F he wasn't quick enough. I mean, Baggett was a clear choice to go, no doubt. I mean, I don't think you'll find anybody that'll say that. Obviously, at this Nations, he had a rough this Nations, but. Yeah, 17th, 217th yeah, position. Yeah, uh, he was, you know, when, when he got picked, everybody's like, yeah, of course he should go. But it's funny because, you know, Wilson, uh, Scottish slash Canadian. <laughs> I'm going to jump out my window now. <laughs> Rattray, South African. Um, Hellings. No, I was thinking over here in America, it wasn't. Uh, and that was it. Okay, well, that was it. But those three guys, if you were going to, if Baggett got hurt, it would be a real question mark on who the next American would be. You know, there is no clear American dominant rider in the Intuity class. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Kyle Cunningham got fourth this year, or Tomac maybe. I guess maybe Tomac, but he. You know, he didn't set the world on fire. It's not like Hurlings and Roxon who are, you know, surefire. Yeah. Um, although Rox Hurlings surprised me at across the nations on a four fifty or three hundred fifty or whatever that was it three fifty or four fifty. No, I think it was a four fifty. Yeah, rode rode great. Yeah. Rode good. Um uh is there anybody else? Uh, Osborne, Hurlings, Searle. I mean, is there anybody we're missing? Is can Anstey hold together or you know, uh he still hasn't officially announced which team he's riding okay. for. Okay. Isn't he riding for the L S Honda? <coughs> No, I mean, uh, oh. that's the MX1 team. Uh, the Gary Baldy Honda, I think they're The Monster run. Honda team, right? Uh, I thought that was LS. I saw them in the paddock, but I didn't. Yeah, no, it's, there's uh, like an Italian team that were running uh, Monster Energy Yamaha this year. Okay. I think for next year they're going to be running Hondas. I'm not okay. sure if they're Monster as well, but there's rumors Max has signed for him uh, for that team. Is rather. he? Is he? Is Tonus then, maybe? Can you see Tonus, Tonus yeah. taking a step up? Yeah, I think he can do it. And he's Osborne's teammate. Yeah. Yeah. A good kid. Yeah, uh, 21, 20 years old. Uh, and if you get a chance to watch him on TV or in pictures, fantastic riding style. Yeah, yeah. just like a real mix between Swiss. Uh, Swiss, that's right. Who who else has ever been good from Switzerland? There was uh, Julian Bill. No, no, no. Julian Bill was the MX3 world champion. Yeah. There was a rider. He his name Canada escapes me now. He actually was going. He, the last race we were talking about Russia, yeah. 2002, was a the 125 CC world championship. Came down to that race between Mikhail Mashio and the Kawasaki who yeah. won it. Steve Ramon on the KTM and um, uh, Pasqua, Pascal, um, I can't remember his name. Yeah, now. I know who you mean. I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah. Was he Swiss? Oh, yeah, Pasquale. Yeah. I can't remember his name now. Yeah, I know who you mean. I, I, it sounds familiar. We'll have to, uh, you have to get M- Google there on your Michelle, computer. Michelle Maschio, uh, the, probably the world champion who gets the least amount of respect. You think so? Dude, he was just done. He won the world title and like never did anything again and never... Yeah. Really knew what was up with him and just kind of, yeah, kind know? of vanished off yeah. the scene a little bit. Hey, I'm interested to get your take on. Um, um, I'm gonna Google this while you talk, but I'm. Uh, what do you think the De Pasquier, No, De Pasquier, 
think that was it. That's the last name? Yeah, Dupasquia. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to Google it. Uh, I'm going to work the Google here. We have Google in America. It's a computer <laughs> called the Internet. <laughs> we, right. we invented it. Really? Yeah, Al Gore. Did you invent... Uh, we invented everything. You invented Blackberry as well, didn't you? The thing that's gone that's down Canadian. for the last yeah, three that, years. Yeah, that's Canadian. Oh, right. Okay. Um, we invented everything here in America, Adam. You guys didn't do anything. Uh, that's that's right out of Talladega Nights, I think. You ever seen that? No. You ever seen Talladega Nights? I haven't seen that film yet. No. Are you serious? I am serious. Oh god, you need to see that. It's so awesome. I'm in Las Vegas and I made myself watch Casino yesterday. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good one. Done. Uh, no, I'm interested in seeing like, do you think the GPs do they need an American rider? Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you've, uh, I think we need a Japanese rider as well. The last one we had was Yoshi Sakuratsuta. Um, uh, actually, there was one after that. Again, I'm being very bad with names. They must be a jet lag. But no, I think you do need an American rider. I mean, just, just a little bit kind of disappointing that Zach's really the. I mean, that's one question I've got. I've got to interview Ryan Villapotos at some point before the Monster Energy right. Cup. Good, luck, ask him good luck with that. Yeah, oh, thanks. Um, I want to you know, kind of ask him, you know, like you've you've done it all now. You've you've won uh, the nations. You've won uh, motocross, supercross in the same year. Uh, what's next? You know, world championship. I mean, like Dean Wilson said in the press conference in uh, the motocross and nations that he's got one more year pro circuit. Then he's thinking about possibly coming to do some GPS. Yeah, he told me that too. He, that's not going to happen, dude. No, 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 there's no chance. Why not? She's not going to do it. There's just no way. There's no way a kid used to living in Southern California with the money. And uh, you know the he lived the, in Scotland. I mean, he must uh, yeah, be used to like driving rain and rain. When he was eight, then he went to the great country of Canada. So, um, Philippe de Pasquier, I think his name was. I can't find a Swiss rider. Can't find Swiss rider. Two thousand and two. Well, you know what? I can do this. I think. Uh, no, it won't be on the Ustream website. Oh yeah, two thousand four. Okay. You know what? We'll just go with that then, Wheeler. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. Just leave it open ended and ask someone to tweet in. Yeah, so some, Pope some, some know, do that, right. and, you know. um, Yeah, do we? Do, do, I wish there was a top American rider going there. I just I don't see it happening. But I mean, God bless Jimmy Albertson. You yeah. know, I was really looking forward to seeing Top Jimmy do something, but you know that that kind of deal didn't work out so good for him or the team. And uh, uh, I just I'd love to see a mid-level American rider, and the one that comes to mind is Michael Essie. You know, who's not strong in Supercross, but but. I'd love to see a guy just go over, put his head down, work hard for a couple of years, and race the world championships, you know, and have another American world champion. The last time we saw one was Bobby Moore in 94. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be cool, you know? You uh, had, like, Mike Brown leading MX1 yeah. GPs a yeah. couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, Brownie, Brownie came close in 2000. Yeah. With Dauber and uh, Langston. He finished third, I think, overall. Yeah. Yeah, he was right there with those guys, so that would have been that would have been pretty good. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see those guys do it. I'd like to see somebody do it. I don't know who or what or how it's going to happen, but I think Zach uh, is able to continue doing it and, and kind of integrated himself quite well yeah. by being with the British team. Yeah, you know? and that's where like uh, Jimmy probably had a little bit more of a rougher ride because even though the factory Honda team is is you know there's some fantastic guys there and mm -hmm. they they've been there for many years. They're quite a tight crew. Um, maybe being in Italy was too much of a culture yeah, shock for Jimmy. I, think so. I, I had some bad luck with injuries as well, just when he was like, you know, getting a bit more confidence yeah. and speed up. Uh, you know, um, uh, uh, he uh, Zach's our trainer is here in Vegas, so he comes by and sits in that very chair. We do some podcasts just like this. He seems to seems to enjoy it, seems to like it over there, and, and has the right attitude of like, oh, he's not like, oh, it sucks, it keeps raining, and I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. good. He's got a good attitude about it. 
Um, we like him because he's got quite a British sense of humour. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'll give uh, him that. Uh, he does. You're right. He's not the. He's not typical. <laughs> um, so you've been doing the GPs a long time. Uh, uh, which riders are close to your heart? Which ones did you admire? Which one did you like talking to? Uh, past or present rider, or present or past riders. Which ones did you, uh, um, you know, find a joy to deal with uh, media relations, and you cheered for them on the track, and you know things like that. In terms of work, riders to work with, you know, Stefan Evans was always good. Yeah. He had time for the press, and Joel Smets was just a quote machine. I mean, if you wanted something yeah. kind of juicy from him, yeah. I mean, you know, I think a rider who's good at PR understands you can throw a mundane question at him because it's just a way to open a topic. Yeah. Right, you know, right. I mean, you don't want a direct answer to a question like "How was your day?" Right. But you just, you know, it's just a way just to, you know, start a conversation going mm -hmm. and get it recorded. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, he would just like go off and then slide his cue. But um, you know, I was, uh, I got along quite well. Uh, I do still get along well with Billy McKenzie. I had a lot of time for him. Yeah. I mean, he was like a, a fantastic talent who sort of, you know, and we won like the Japanese G. We had the Japanese GP for three years, from yeah. 2005, 2007, and he won once in MX. Twice in MX2 and once in MX1. Still the only British rider to win an MX1 GP. Um, what do you mean, ever? 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 Yeah, well, MX1 started in 2004, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. That's true. So, yeah. I would, say I, would that. Say that, I would say that uh, King David Thorpe. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, he got one or two wins. He got a few, <laughs> few wins there. So, uh, Kurt yeah, Nickel, a few yeah. wins. Yeah, yeah there's been... Uh, yeah, Britain's got a pretty good history yeah. in, in motocross. But... um. No, I had to, a lot of time for Billy, and Billy was also uh, open to ideas for for doing stuff to help his you know, grow his profile and yeah. his image. Which I thought, you know, there's a sign of a kid who's not just thinking, right, I have to get on this thing and turn a throttle. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, you know, and now he's racing in Australia, and he came yeah. across to the British GP and did pretty well this year. You know, Coppins, yeah. good guy. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, Always. another example of a guy who has like a race face, and then like you know, but you can. So yeah. friendly, and you know yeah. he's uh, he's a real motorsport fan. You, know, you can yeah. sit there and just talk yeah. to him about MotoGP. Loves it. No, um, I was gutted when he uh, didn't win the title there. Went uh, the fence. Incredible season. Oh, he had it. He had it so much. Uh, I was uh, in uh, his motorhome just after that. Uh, oh, yeah. After that crash, because I need to get a quote from him. And uh, he was sitting there speaking with Carlo Rinaldi, who was the manager of the factory Yamaha team at that time. I mean, just a bit of background for people that know, but Josh uh, lost his rear brake coming down the big old step down in the Czech Republic yeah. and went over the bars and, and fractured his shoulder. So he was leading by like 107 points in the World Championship at that point. Is it that much, huh? Yeah, was it was like four <laughs> rounds to go. Um, and now it's just it's so sad that it's a cautionary tale. You know, yeah. people cite that as like a re, you know example of don't count your chickens. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. But he was in the motorhome and he was just sort of saying that Carlo, I just I just want to win this championship. You know, I mean he'd been there for I don't know yeah. 16, 15, 16 years trying and right. I just want to win this championship. And you can see he was sitting there with his like his shoulder like going red and swollen already. And you uh, think, you know, yeah. Now uh, speaking of uh, Coppins, uh, Ben Townley returned to the GPS. Uh, nah, didn't go well. Didn't it's go just well. Just a tough episode. That I yeah. mean, uh, the preseason uh, concussion he got that seemed to set the tone. Yeah. And it was really hard actually watching him kind of struggle around the sand of Vulcanswald. Why he where... raced Vulcanswald was a bad idea, right? I mean, <coughs> yeah. yeah, and like you know that was a race uh, he absolutely. I think he took his first uh, podium there in like 2002 on a 125 KTM. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just whipped it that day. Uh, uh, yeah, bad deal. Um, uh, as a guy that's been doing GPs and, and uh, a British guy. Glenn Helen uh, came back. Um, yeah, it's gone again. Two years. Uh, pathetic crowds. <laughs> I, what happened? I mean, I kind of always thought people said, you know, you need American riders to make a success, which you think, okay, I understand that. But you kind of think, well, you know, 
surely there's a, the, the curiosity factor people would still turn out to watch and you know it was it, more than say a dozen yeah i kind of i uh, saw the writing was on the wall this year on saturday where there was just you know there was no one there it was like a uh, like an amateur race yeah. you know and you kind of think this is not a it's not a gp it felt really strange yeah. really strange because yeah. usually we get a, a decent crowd on a saturday there's a bit of an expectation a bit of a vibe and mm-hmm. there was nothing and you just think you know, the reaction in the paddock, the GP paddock to that race going is, you know, people are sad because they recognize the place. They recognize this country. That they enjoy born. coming. Yeah. 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 And, like, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people are going to be really sad that it's going, you know. Yeah. Um, Good track, you know. I mean, uh, challenging track. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, it was different. I mean, one thing I always bang on about is the diversity of the GPs. You know, you go from yeah. Sand to Harpac to like yeah. Glen Helen in, you know, in a matter of weeks. But I think Giuseppe Longo, like president of Ustream, kind of admitted in a press conference that he they lost like nearly a million dollars in two two editions of the USGP. So it obviously didn't work. Yeah, yeah, not even. I mean, not even a, a you know, an on the fence is it working? It, a, an unmitigated disaster. Um, yeah. and, and the Americans just. I mean, and that's where I come from. Where I'm saying they just they either love it or they don't. And none of the people in Southern California loved it, loved GP motocross. You know, I mean, if they did. They'd come out, they'd see bitchin' bikes, cool stuff they don't see at the races, some world-class riders, Zach Osborne there, you know, um, you know, so you, you have Michael Lee, but uh, somewhat of a of a name, and still didn't matter. It yeah. <laughs> just didn't matter. It wasn't Ryan Dungey and James Stewart. And, do you think and, it would work in another place if you went to the East Coast or something like yes, that? Yes, I do think it would work more. Yes, absolutely. I don't know how much more, how much better, but it would work. Yeah, I do. So there's always that, but... I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, I, I imagine. I mean, what was the talk among the media or the riders about the attendance? Was it scratching their head? Was it like, what's what's going on? I think after the mm. first year, it was a case of like, because it came in the calendar very late. It was like yeah. six weeks notice. Yep. <clears throat> People understood that it wasn't going to be, you know, that much support like from AMA teams and riders. Yep. And, you know, you understood if it was a bit of a, a low crowd. Yeah. But even like Bud Feldkamp, you know, from, uh, from Glen Helen was saying, this year we're in it for the long term and you think yeah, well yeah. you have to be because you know, <laughs> you know it can't go on like this yeah yeah no no doubt uh but yeah they pulled decided to pull the plug early um and, and yeah it's a bummer i think definitely uh what about uh what about you yourself uh, um you're a real journalist you have a degree <laughs> in everything well, uh, well, yeah, right? I, I, yeah, I did a, yeah. I did a degree in English and sport because I wanted to be a sport journalist, uh-huh. and then did a postgraduate in, in journalism. You're so, so much smarter than all of us. <laughs> like seriously, me, it's only and, on paper. Me and Cox, and I mean, we're idiots. You know what I mean, uh, Guy V? You're like a real trained rider. Um, but did you race motocross growing up? No, no, no. So no. I, uh, I had a mother who was like, "You're going nowhere near those things." So uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had other distractions like football or soccer, I should say. Soccer, uh, yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, it was. You don't know uh, what football is, you know. No, no. We, we, no, we football. And, no, no, eggs. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, I was too busy every weekend uh, kicking a ball around the field. Yeah. So. yeah, and then just got into motorsports, just started well, getting into. Yeah, my family didn't live too far away from Brands Hatch, which is a road racing track mm-hmm. in, in England. Uh, so my dad at the time he used to have like a thing they had a, then called a season ticket. So mm-hmm. you could go like one weekend and see like Barry Sheen racing in a power bike okay. thing. And then the next weekend you go and see like a club championship. Like oh, a yeah, club just anything that goes on yeah. the track. Yeah. So like I kind of grew up just uh, going to see road racing and messing around like, you know, in the woods and the fields like yeah. you know, around Brands Hatch. So that's oh. where where the bike sort of bug came, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to write about sport, and that was the goal. From like, I was kind of lucky because I think a lot of kids, you know, even some of my friends just had trouble, like you know, trying to find what they wanted to do in life. Right, right, yeah. And, so and I was and new, and your passion was doing that. 
So how did you transition into, did you write for some uh, English uh, magazines or newspapers? or? Yeah, after I finished studying, I was doing some freelance for local magaz- local newspapers. You okay. know, cover things like, th- you know, theatrical productions and local football matches. And oh, so everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I didn't, you know, got a little bit of portfolio going before I got a job in TV production. Yeah. And luckily, uh, it was about video games. And the best thing about video games, you can always find a game about your interests, whether it's <laughs> monsters or <laughs> fantasy or yeah, dragons yeah, 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 or Formula point. One yeah. or basketball. Uh, yeah, so, you, you yeah know, exactly. every motorcycle racing game that came out between like two, 1998 and 2000, yeah. I was able to say, look, I can go and cover it and speak to this rider and do right, a feature. Right, right. So oh, that's cool. That was that. So are you still a video gamer guy? Are you still? No, no, with two kids. Uh, well, the kids are getting older, so they they get into their video games, but uh, <laughs> no, not, not too much time. Uh, and so from there, from there, you went into TV production. Yeah, TV production for three years, and then got a job working for Dorna in MotoGP and uh-huh. motocross in 2001, yeah. and that's where the you know the whole motocross thing kicked off. So I wasn't like a diehard fan yeah. uh, coming into the sport, um, but you know it's just uh, it grew on me, and I love it. Yeah, you, you like it. What do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about the scene in America, like American Supercross and motocross? Like, what do you think about it when you when you go to bed at night? I mean. Is it, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, a lot of riders want to come over here um, and race here in our series. But what do you think about it? Is is it, uh, I mean, yeah. Just... It's this, I mean, I've yet to see an AMA yeah. Supercross or Motocross, so. <clears throat> right. My perception of it around actually having seen it is, you know, the, the little bit to do with the cliche, the glitz and the glamour. Right. But, uh, you know, it's... Um, it's you know, and you also hear things as well, like you know, some there's there's no kind of press conferences or anything after there, so you kind of think, well, how mm-hmm. how is it kind of all set up to really run in such a, so a professional way? You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, well, then, but then you, when you come here and you see dudes like me and Cox, you're like, oh wait, now I get it. Now it's not a professional <laughs> way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 great that you've got such a, a great following, you know, a big following for it, and that's uh, that's the only frustration about motocross. I mean, I've been to. You know, national newspapers in England said, look, you know, we've got this rider, Billy McKenzie, we've got this rider, Tommy Searle, who's going to yeah. be fighting for Grand Prix wins and world championships. Yeah. Look, give me, give, can I write something for you? Can I give you something? Look, I'll, I'll even do it for free just to get a bit of, like, yeah. you know, publicity yeah. going for it. Oh, uh, no, sorry. You know, because, like, in the UK, you know, football, rugby, cricket. I thought Moto was big there, though. I mean, uh, Formula One, yeah, you've got like yeah. Lewis Hamilton and Jensen yeah. Button, they're all like fighting, you know, Formula One's big, and yeah. MotoGP is uh, sometimes, but, mm-hmm. you know, motocross, forget about it, it's like a yeah. niche sport, and it was just impossible. Right. Uh, uh, how, Toby, you know. uh, yeah, what's the state of the GPs right now? How do you like the Ustream's business plan, Ustream, the way they're running it? Uh, obviously, over here, sometimes they're portrayed as the devil and, you know, what's going on. What do you think? How do you, what do you think about it? How, how are they to deal with? How, how is that series going? How is it growing? Uh, is it growing, you know? I mean, you've got to keep a, an objective view of it and say that it's impossible to keep everybody happy all of the time. Yes. But <clears throat> my view is that, you know, that it's in, it's in, a, it's in a good shape. You know, I mean, they've been, uh, they've had the, the injection of the Monster Energy cash this year. Um, and also the profile. I mean, Monster are pretty proactive in terms of pushing it in the output, the material, the videos, the photos, mm-hmm. everything like that. Bringing... Kind of like over here, the same way over here. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that's been a boost, you know, because before there was a uh, Red Bull support. But like, you know, again, motocross gets lost. I even tried the Red Bulletin, the magazine Red Bull maker said, look, uh-huh. you know, I've got this guy, Tony Cairoli, who's just won of his first MX1 World Championship. Yeah. Do you want an interview? Oh, no. Yeah, we did, we did motocross. <laughs> 
motocross. We did motocross like three months ago, and this is know, the moto. This is the Red Bull magazine. Yeah, there's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's sunk under things like the X Fighters and their plane, you know, racing championship. Whereas, like for Monster, you know, motocross, Supercross is very much part of their core business. So, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a natural fit. And right, I think it's, right. it's benefited the GPs. I mean, it's. Um, Ustream are creating a stage where teams can get professional, can present themselves and try and get that sponsorship. Um, you know, you have to be in a position to be able to appeal to outside sponsors and you're going to need a certain level for that. Uh, and Ustream have been instrumental in creating that. I mean, they have the detractors and Giuseppe Longo's joked in, in press conferences before that he's apparently killed the sport like a dozen times, you know, <laughs> with, through his ideas. But you can't detract that the guy knows that the importance of press and media and an, an external image of the sport is important. Yeah. So, you know, even for his ideas like charging teams and riders 10,000 euros, I mean, it's, uh, you could just say it's a necessary evil. There's live TV coverage of every Grand Prix. Uh, they've launched MX Life this year, like a web-based TV, you know, yeah. uh, thing, yeah. which, you know, they charge people for initially. Maybe it would have been better to do a first year free and build up a real big database and then, then charge Kinda a second them, year. Yeah. But yeah. then, uh, you know, it's... Um, you know, I I I I like working there because I think it's a good series to it's, it's got potential still, you know. Yeah. And um, going to new markets like Thailand and you know to Russia, if those events can work. Tell you what I don't like about it. I'll cool. tell you what I do like about it. I love the fact it always runs on time. <laughs> I love the fact you have wash bays. I love the fact that you go to all sorts of different soils and terrains. Yeah. Really like that. Like in America, the tracks are all the same. Uh, you can run the same tires every week. I love the fact that you'll be in hard pack of Italy, the sand of Belgium, the mud of the early season races. Uh, I just love that. It's really a well-rounded. Love all that. Don't like. I don't care about the purse money. It doesn't affect me. Whatever happens, happens. You know. I mean, I don't like how you cannot just sign up and race a Grand Prix. You know, Travis Parker would have never been world champion if we had done that. Um, Kyle Regal over here. There's tons of races over here that would have never got a shot if they didn't get a chance to prove it. You know, we had that Musquin debate, um, you know, when he was in a Honda leading the world cha championship. And then he was benched for a race or something while it went between the courts. And it was sort of almost like the teams were – the teams are doing – you know, Musquin could have just quit that Honda team, you know, if it was America, let's say. Quit the Honda team. Hey, I'm gonna be at the next race in my pickup truck, and then you know whatever, um, try to win it that way, or, or you know he was a good enough rider then. So I don't like that about about the the, the races. I'm not a fan of of pre-selecting your teams and riders because I'll tell you what, in the GPs I've been to, much like the Des Nations, there's some riders that look like they just bought a ride and they they're not on that level. In America, the colors don't run first of all, and second of all. It's the 40 fastest. That's it. Qualifying times. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're not in 40 fastest, you're not lining up. And I like that about the America. I don't like that about the GPs. Yeah, I think uh, this whole idea of riders buying their way onto teams is, you know, like you say, in, in examples, it's <clears throat> it's not good. It doesn't look good either. Well, but we have it here too. Kyle Partridge, for example, <coughs> has purchased a ride at Hart Huntington next year. Yeah. Brought in a casino sponsor. And I don't, good for Kyle. Congrats on, you know, being resourceful and landing that deal. But I don't like it. It's it's a it's a precedent. But the thing is, you know, motocross has been pushed, trying to be pushed up in in Europe at least to a level where you know it, it's trying to compete with other motorsports like yeah. Superbike. Uh, it's never going to compete with things like Formula One and MotoGP. But right. it's taken that kind of model where you have uh, you have 
specific defined teams. Selected, with, with, yeah, yeah. Who like select and you, you know, like I was saying to you earlier, the best riders always going to be there. You know, the young kids who are coming through that are identified, they're doing national races, they're doing European races, um, where you can pretty much just roll up and enter and, and you know, yeah. and do what you can. Yeah. They're being identified and they're being signed up. You're um, saying that if you're, if you're good enough, you're going to win a British championship or a Belgium championship and people are going to be like, hey. Yeah, yeah, you take know. notice of yeah, this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, then KTM, their, their MX2 rider next year comes from the European championships, right? Like... Uh, they're Jordi Tixier, who won the the European yeah, two like, stroke. He was not a there, GP so guy yeah. at all. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I mean, I guess <clears throat> I just I like. Hey, you know what? There's a dude who rides Lomo every day. He's uh, uh you know just a sand guy, and uh, he went uh, you know eight eight today because he can yeah ride sand. I love that story. That seeing that you know, um, and the GPs maybe don't always let you do that. You have some teams, of course, that need. Uh, that paying rider, you know, the revenue yeah. he brings in with an ex ex outside sponsor or whatever. I right. mean, but that, that's nothing new. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that's been going on for years. And, you know, I still think that motocross and motocross riders and racers um, are still the luckiest ones because they have the cheapest and best way to get into the sport and to reach the top level of the sport. If you right. want to race road racing, MotoGP, forget about it because you yeah. need rich parents to buy the equipment, to find a series to where you can make a difference. Formula One, you've got to spend hundreds of thousands on karting. I used to do a bit of PR for a kid who won the, the British uh, karting championship and his dad was spending six figures every year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just uh, with motocross, you can make it happen and you can do it from a young age. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're right. I just, I don't like it, Wheeler. Just don't <laughs> like it. Just don't, just don't like it. Um, uh, but there's certainly some, 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 you know, some real good things about the GPs too. And, uh, it just it's both a little bit of both uh purse money wow whatever you know the riders over here don't live on it and the riders that do need to live on it over here it's not enough you know and when yeah. isn't it ever enough so purse money thing to me is like a like uh it's not a real factor because you know it's what a lot of the anti-gp people over here like to point at there's no purse money well you know what could the purse money be to make everybody go, that's awesome. It can yeah. never be an amount. Everybody wants more money. So not you know. for like 16, 16 races in five months. It's just you know, it's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Was, you know, they're trying to make it a world championship by going to more countries and continents, and you know, that's just it's not going to yeah. happen. That kind of prize money. And yeah. I think it's a, it was the sport in a different era. Um, you know, whether it's a better era or worse era, then you know that's yeah. that's the big argument. Right. But you know, I think now you need you need a sport that's on TV. You need a sport that looks good. You need a sport that when you're bringing a sponsor to the paddock, they say, look, spend some money with us, please. He's going to think, okay, I can see the demographic. I can see the young kids really getting into right, it. Right. I can see they're not all slipping down the hill in the mud. You know, it's That's where the wash bays come into play. <laughs> I, tell, I tell Coombs about those wash bays. Love those wash bays. As yeah. a mechanic, I was a mechanic for 11 years. I would have hated those wash bays. <laughs> but as a guy walking around the pits now, those are cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. because I mean, you know, like in American motocross, you're walking through the pits, and there's just a river of mud coming from the team washing yeah. all their all their bikes down here. And sometimes your mechanics are spraying people, you know, because they're so close. And I like the wash base. I mean, there's there's <laughs> criteria for a Grand Prix. There's like yeah. a manual, you know, where yeah. like promoters or circuits have to meet a certain criteria for yeah. an event, and it's um, you know, it's. It means you do have some tracks where the infrastructure is spot on and maybe the track itself is lacking. Yeah, in some see, it may be St. John D'Angeli is an example. That's quite a worn place. And, yeah. You know, um, I don't I, – yeah, like Donington, I don't like that sort of track where they're building a track around a facility. Yeah. How many are those out there now? They're, are they sort of getting away from that? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is any. You know what I mean? Now. Like specific built yeah. supercross almost tracks. You know, motocross slash like Donington was just. But you have a few places like uh, they have the MotoGP race at a new circuit called Motorland Ar uh, Aragon in Spain, uh -huh. and that's got like an enduro, a karting, a motocross facility, all part of it as well. Yeah. So, and from what I've seen in the motocross, it looks awesome. Okay. I, mean, I don't know yeah. why we don't go there for a GP. Right, right. So you do have, you know, and also I think motorsport facilities need to have this wide to cater to a wide people that want to yeah. participate. Otherwise, you can't just build a MotoGP track that you can be used for <laughs> testing and racing. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to survive. Right, right. So That's a good I, point. I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I mean, uh, from working in, in, in the sport, I love the, the, the permanent, you know, the facilities yeah, like that. Yeah. But, uh, but the know, heritage, the true, you know. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, it doesn't seem to be able to, the series can stay in, in, the Brit in England. You know, it seems like it's a different track or a different yeah. promoter or different issues but every there's, year. There's so much red tape. In England, that's the problem. It's oh, so much it? health and safety criteria. It's, it's uh, you know, it's just a mountain of paper, authorizations, permits, and cash. Uh, what I say about you Brits, you guys are just way too. Yeah, it's the American disease. You know, it's just come across. <laughs> you know, if, if some some <laughs> poor poor woman trips over in a motocross race and like you know, gets mud on her face, then she's gonna sue the yeah, circuit because yeah. like you know. That, so that, that's the bigger problem facing the British GPs. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's yeah. been a little bit of a poison chalice. People kind of see it as a quick and easy way to make cash, but then yeah. like. You know, it's just been bounced around. And I just hope like the British public now are not kind of getting to a point where it's like, oh, God, like another GP, another change. You know, why yeah, should yeah. we spend, you know, £100, you know, on right. one day taking a family here when it's going to be crappy? But Madeley Basin made a really triumphant comeback, I can yeah. say. I mean, there was little teething problems again just from it resurrecting from the first time since 2006. But it was the best track of the year. And, uh you know, it was some some good racing. Yeah. Uh, um, well, it's, it's yeah, it's good to see the series needs England. It needs it yeah. needs to go to England. You know what I mean? That's where motocross kind of started, I think. Um, how's it traveling for you? How's the airplanes and all that? And uh, fly out of Barcelona. Well, you, flying here is like a ten-hour flight. Yeah. I think, oh, I'm done with this. I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, how far don't you have to? I mean, Latvia, Bulgaria, are those all quick jaunts? Yeah. I mean, like in I don't Europe, have a map in front bad. of me, so no, yeah. it's like Latvia is a. Uh, three-hour flight. Oh, okay. You know, Barcelona it, yeah. is pretty well connected. You know, the international airports. So. Yeah, you're kind of centered a little bit. Um, maybe not. I'm from Canada, but how is it? Uh, how is it? Just you know, different countries, and and I mean, when I go, it's kind of a pain to be honest. Like you know, I'm got to figure everything out. How is it for you with the languages and the traveling and the getting the rental cars and finding the tracks and finding the hotel? I mean, don't, don't you think that's kind of fun though? Aren't you kind of uh, when you come over, you think oh, I've got a different language and I have to go to Latvia and try and eat some dodgy food? I I'm like, sort of like the fact that at Bercy, I know where the Starbucks is and I know that Italian <laughs> and I know that Italian like a true Amer uh, North American, uh, North American. Thank you. And I know where that <laughs> Italian place is that's really good, and then the Bear Call place across the street that yeah. has good pastries. Kind of like that. I don't like the old the sense of adventure. Mm, yeah, I can understand if you're a rider and you're an athlete and you're thinking, I need to well, be prepared. I need to have my schedule. I need to train. I need to do this. And like to go to are you, are Russia you calling, as a Are you boy. calling me not an athlete? Is that what you're saying? Well, you're no, saying I'm not an athlete? Professional athlete. athlete yeah. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> so, I'll show you my plaques for my, for my motocross <laughs> titles. Uh, uh, four Manitoba titles. Um, um, no, uh, yeah, so you like it. It's an adventure for you. Yeah, I mean, yep. you, I mean, we've been to Tuchental every year for eleven years. Been to Sweden, you know. Yeah. But, you know, they're they're cool. Sweden's like a cool event. It's a cool country. Udovella. Uh, yeah. I'd love I to mean, go to Sweden. Yeah. You know, when you're working into the early hours and you open the door and it's like four a.m. and it's like this kind of light, like it is yeah, at eight yeah. over here or something. Yeah. You're like, wow, this is kind of weird. 
Um, you know, it's just like uh, but like what about like Latvia and Bulgaria and those Eastern European? I mean, is yeah, it it's is it tough, sketchy? It? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it is. It's not. Are you afraid you're gonna get mugged and stuff? And well, all it's that? more the police, really. <laughs> yeah. I, in Latvia this year, we left the track just uh, about one thirty. I was with Ray Archer, a photographer, and Juan Pablo Acevedo, yeah. another photographer, in the car, and I got pulled over. Uh, about one mile outside the track, you know, and he said you were speeding. I was like, well, was I? You know, like, we're talking like nearly two a.m. Yeah. on the road where there's not anybody else. Yeah, in yeah. That and then, you're speeding. Uh, I said, well, can I can I see? You know, or can you have you got any proof? And uh, it's like, no. And anyway, he said uh, the fine's going to be this. And I was like, well, I don't really kind of have this. I don't really have this money on me now. Um, you know. And then I said to him, can I can I English? Have you? Was he talking English? He was speaking yeah. pidgin English. Yeah. I said, can I have your name and ID number as well? Um, and he's Dude, that's a way to get shot. <laughs> demanding all that. Well, no. And then he started to. Fill Have you in... seen Rodney King? You know anything about yeah, Rodney King? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, he started to fill in this form, and then I kind of went back in the car and waited for him to fill in this form, and then he flashed the lights. So I went back at him, and he said, uh, uh, "Adam Wheeler, is your lucky day today? You have one hundred percent discount." And he said, uh, you know, just sign here. So maybe I signed a paper like in Latvia and saying I robbed a house like three <laughs> weeks before or something. But uh, I, you know, I kind of got away with it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I didn't, one, I didn't think I was really speeding in this area. He said it was put in a built up area, which if you saw built up areas in, in, in Latvia, it's kind of like a shack. And <laughs> with respect to Latvia, yeah. of course. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you get like little episodes like that. Uh, yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess if you look at the adventure of it, I, I sort of like the familiar. You know the familiar things myself, but you know I don't know. Uh, uh, I would think it. I guess it would be fun. You know, I, I, I as a mechanic, I wanted to do the GPS, and I got a job in Germany in the winter of '98, working for uh, a KTM German team, and I was going to do the GPS with um, uh, Mika Serenkowski, who's a Finnish rider, and Pascal Lorette, a French French guy. Yeah. They were on this team, and I didn't make it even three months. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. I, the weather was terrible. The food sucked. I wasn't getting any money. I uh, never made it to the GPs. So, but my goal would be to do GPs for sure. You know, I think it would be cool. But I don't know, man. I think you should come uh, come across and cover a season. I think your audience that figure <laughs> might take a bit of a hit. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, if we could work it out where we could stay at, like, I remember when I went to Toshintal, I stayed at a Marriott. Yeah, and there was a Starbucks kitty corner to it, <laughs> and there was a McDonald's down the road. In um, Leipzig, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Is Leipzig nearby? Yeah, it's Halle is the nearest city, but Leipzig. Maybe it's Halle, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. I was like, I could come to the GPs every weekend if I got to stay in that Marriott and go to that Starbucks. Well, I've got to give you full props anyway, because like, you're one of the few like you know North Americans that come across <laughs> to like to, to see the GPs and yeah. to cover it and stuff. I think that's really good. I paid my, that whole uh, Lomo trip was out of my own dime. I was about to put a $1,200 hit, but... You have to pick another track next year. Don't come to Lomo. No, I just wanted to see sand. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted to uh, see a true sand track. I mean, I, I'd been you to... You come to Lerop next year. Lerop's on the calendar again, apparently. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to Lomo at the Motocross Nations when I worked for Ferry uh, in 03. I was yeah. the mechanic. Last team USA to lose, by the way. That's one little title I have. Uh, as last team USA to lose, that was me. I was on that team. And then we went to Lomo to practice, uh, you know, Wednesday before yeah. the race or whatever. And uh, so I saw it, but it wasn't anything like it was, you know, there was no banners up. It was just a practice track. So I saw it and it was pretty cool. And then like Ferry had some dude pass him on the outside that he, you know, never knew who he was and, you know, whatever. So I was, I was like, hey, I'm going to, when I heard it was back on the GP schedule, I'm like, and you know, that's also a place the Americans first won there in 1981. Very first uh, time America won the Motocross Nations was in that sand track somehow. Southern California guys pulled it off, but 
which, by the way, is going to happen next year. <laughs> but uh, 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 so I always thought to myself, you know what? If there's a GP here, I want to see, you know, the sand guys. I want to come to a GP in the sand. So I was pumped that I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have to, if you want to do another sand one, try Lear up next year. Lear up, yeah. We'll come the, to Sweden. Yeah. Sweden would be good. Sweden ticket might be expensive there, wheel, but Wheeler, but uh, uh, Sweden would be awesome. I'd love to go to Sweden. Long flight though. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, How far to, from London? You can probably go to London and then you go from, uh, up from there. Flying's not that. It's, flying from London's not very far. Oh, no? Well, if you go to Amsterdam, you just fly from like, yeah. you know, LAX to Yeah, that's to about Amsterdam. seven hours. It's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, right on, man. Well, hey, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming over. To, uh, you know, we could have done this over the phone, but no. We're doing it in, in the, in the yes, studios. Yes, Las Vegas. Um, Vegas uh, and you're staying at the Hard Rock? Yeah, I've been bashed by music all day. So, <laughs> I, know, uh, I know. I spent many a drunken night in that Hard Rock, believe me. Yeah. The the prices of the tables have gone up, though. I don't like gambling there anymore. The minimums uh, are too high. Well, I've got no idea what I'm doing with gambling, so it doesn't, yeah. doesn't attract you me. You will yeah. see Kevin Windham and Mitch Payton there on... Um, Saturday night. Yeah. So that's always a plus. Is and this supposed get, to be a party there? Is there where does the the yeah, Vegas party I'm, happen? I'm on? the last guy that they tell who the party uh, is. Yeah. They're, I thought they're, you'd be the first one on the door. <laughs> no, they're they're afraid that I'll write something bad about Hanny <laughs> if he shows up there. Uh no, I don't know. I'll find out for you though. But uh yeah, thanks for doing this. I, I, good look at the GPs, good look at Europe, and uh I'm happy you're here to see the Monster Energy Cup. I think that's cool. And uh I hope to see you and a bunch of other European riders back here next year. I think that'd be a real cool event. Yeah, it'll be good to check in with you maybe halfway through the next World Championship just to let you know what's going on. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that because usually I call Coppins, but he's not my guy anymore. He's in, yeah. he's uh, down under, so I need to get a scoop on it. I did do one with Jeff Meyer one time, okay. but um, um, all Jeff wanted to do was talk about, uh, uh, was it Roxon then? I don't know who it was. Right. I was like, got it, Jeff. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, Adam Wheeler, for coming on the BTO Sports dot com uh, racer x podcast and uh have a good monster energy cup and i'm sure we'll be in touch thanks for listening to this episode of the steve mathis show search pulp mx in the itunes store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the pulp mx app for your iphone for the complete pulp mx fix